Self-realization is the ending of ignorance, the dispelling of ignorance. Ignorance at its root has ignore, meaning something is being ignored in ignorance. It's a state of ignoring something. It's not a state of not knowing something. It's a state of ignoring what is primary, what is closer than any knowledge, ignoring that for some suffering, for some problem, for some identification. And that ignorance is it's the root of all suffering. So I don't come here to teach you what it is you must be or see or even how to get that. But I come here to point as strongly and as clearly as I'm able to that which you have ignored in favor of suffering. There's a, a spiritual term which has been grossly misunderstood. I believe it must come from some mistranslation, and that's that ignorance is bliss. Yeah, ignorance is not bliss. The open mind is bliss. Not knowing even is bliss. But ignorance, ignoring that which is crucial, ignoring your own self, ignoring the presence of God, the eternal presence of God, the limitless truth of yourself, ignoring that is the source of all tragedy. So we will spend very much time together pointing, exposing, diving into what has been ignored in favor of suffering. So in a moment, in a split second, there's the possibility to recognize the truth of yourself. boundless, limitless, eternal God truth of yourself that has been ignored and that has different names in different spiritual cultures, nirvana, heaven, resurrection, satori, samadhi, enlightenment. And it is beautiful and empty of suffering, full of grace.
know that most of you in this room have glimpsed that. And many of you know that to stop for a moment, you recognize yourself to be that which you have ignored. To retreat from suffering does not mean to ignore suffering. The retreat is from the fixation on suffering. It doesn't mean you substitute a fixation on nirvana or emptiness or samadhi. It means you recognize that you have the potential and the capacity to realize yourself as the totality of life, of life. To retreat from suffering does not mean to ignore suffering. The retreat is from the fixation on suffering. It doesn't mean you substitute a fixation on nirvana or emptiness or samadhi. It means you recognize that you have the potential and the capacity to realize yourself as the totality of life, the totality of being. And to the degree that you are willing to give up your ignorance, both of suffering and of that which has never suffered, is the degree that you are willing to know yourself to realize yourself. So I found in my travels that often people begin the spiritual life as an escape from the worldly life, as escape from the miseries of life. And this is legitimate. But it's the way one begins, it's not the way one ends. The ending, the surrender, is a recognition of no escape and no escape needed. That in the embracing of that which is here in consciousness, rather than ignoring any of it, and the embracing of consciousness with consciousness itself, then there is no longer any of the conditioned belief that you are different from anyone else, that you are less than or that you are greater than, that because you are a different tribe that you're better or worse than or a different nation or even enlightened versus ignorant. 
these distinctions finish. It's all oneself. And your willingness to be true to who you are is your willingness to see yourself everywhere. I had a beautiful radio interview yesterday and one of the questions she asked me was, does it matter what's going on in the world? That there's hatred, that there's continuing violence, continuing genocide. Yes, it matters. It matters. Because it is a reflection of your own mind. There is nothing that is going on in the world that is not going on in your own mind. And in your willingness to see that, to experience the horror of that, and to see what is untouched by that, then you are at least one aspect of consciousness that knows itself to be free. interesting because I can just feel the certain eroticness there hovering around the this kind of impulse suddenly it's like you know like you say just stop uh-huh. you know but the the slogan is is just do it that's right <laughs> that's right just do it and then you you learn you know some kind of spiritual jargon or some ways of getting around it but I'm not doing it it's just happening mm-hmm. it did it I didn't do it <laughs> Or, I'm awake, so it doesn't matter what I do. And I'm awake, and if I do it, it means it's holy. I mean, you know, it goes on and on. So the, the invitation is to really, it's, it's not a matter of doing it or not doing it, really. But the invitation is the invitation to experience this impulse of the addiction, which is primarily an addiction to pleasure, but is also wrapped up into that, is the addiction to suffering. So it's uh, to experience both the desire for this pleasure object, which even though you may know intellectually very well, will lead you down this same old path, there is a, a kind of infatuation and attachment to it. So there's energy there, there's power there. So the invitation is to experience all that. I'm shaking because it can be like a shaking because everything is saying just do it. 
So the willingness to not go numb or dissociative in that, because that's also another power, and it can be learned, but to experience it as this burning, this burning. The bonfire. A bonfire, the bonfire of the vanity. Really, because it is a vanity, because it's for me. So I want to be really clear here, because I'm not saying you should do this if you have a desire. That's not what I'm saying. Because there's certain desires that are totally harmless. You know, you have a desire to eat, eat. You have a desire to rest, rest. You have a desire to speak, speak. But if you have a desire to eat and it is neurotic and it is causes painful, or your desire to rest is neurotic and causes pain, and your desire to eat or speak is neurotic and causes pain, or your desire to have sex, or your desire to be powerful, or your desire to get enlightened. If it's this pleasure, suffering, desire, there is a possibility to stop. And what's required in that stopping is this willingness to burn in this impulse that says go, go now, with all of the very sophisticated justifications of why it's perfectly okay. This time, again, one more time, <laughs> last time, <laughs> yeah. So go, as you used it, so go, but watch, tell the truth. Consciously go this time, consciously choose it so you can tell the truth, so you at least don't have that, um, level of justification to fall back on. So you bust yourself. And this is, you know, a lot of people say, well, well, don't want to do that because you want to have this little out. If it gets too intense, I'll go. I'll just do it. But if you don't give yourself that out, if you don't give yourself that exit, it's a kind of crucifixion where there is this willingness to, okay, if it kills me, I am not gonna move in this moment. And it is a crucifixion. It's what the crucifixion points to. I am not moving. Even if I scream, you know, why is God doing this to me? I'm not moving. And in that, there is the discovery of the resurrection, the redemption, the peace, that is inherent. And with that discovery, naturally, then this bondage to this addictive habit is at least weakened. The link is weakened. Maybe it's cut, totally. But assume it's just weakened. <laughs> it's more skillful. <laughs> assume it's weakened. But then the next time it arises, there is this, you know then there's choice here. You know that you are not run by your impulses or instincts either, no matter how strong they may be and appropriate in certain cases or times, stages of life. But when you're speaking of freedom, when you're speaking of stopping the search, then there has to be this willingness to face what it is you are running from in your search. And in general, you're running from some pain. And really, it's some, usually some infantile pain that couldn't be met or wasn't met. And it's psychological and it has physical components and it has a story or not. It could be just energy. 
when I met Papa G and he said, stop. It's like I could hear the, all the reasons not to stop. Well, first of all, who is he telling me to stop? You know, if I stop, what if he takes over my mind? What, what if something bad happens to me? I mean, it's not safe to be innocent. It's not safe to not think and figure it out and go for what's safe and avoid what's unsafe. So, of course, that's all has its place. You know, I'm not saying stop in the middle of the street. Obviously, go across the street. <laughs> this is obvious. But we then take that and put it all the way through into our psyche, into all of our psychological dilemmas. But why not investigate it? And that's what his invitation to me was. Investigate this for yourself. Not stop because it's the good thing, the holy thing, the right thing, the enlightened thing. It's not. It's none of those. <laughs> it's just what has never been done. <laughs> so there's at least in that moment some freshness, some innocence, and some recognition of the power of the potential of simply being. Simply being. Not getting the pleasure, not keeping the pain away, not getting another day of life, not avoiding death. Just being in this moment, in this instant. And it's beautiful. And it's the doorway. It's the same doorway. It's the same gateway. Because there's something that is transmitted in that moment that reverberates potentially deeper and deeper for the rest of the life of this body. So that your mind is not preoccupied with justifying grasping pleasure or avoiding pain. Doesn't mean you don't grasp pleasure and avoid pain. You may or you may not. It may be appropriate to avoid pain. There's nothing wrong with taking pain medication. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a good time, but that you aren't bound to it. And when that much of your attention is freed, that's a lot. It's a lot of attention that's free, that's available for real questioning. It's taken off that kind of habitual cycling that you were speaking of. widespread addiction to suffering that is based on getting what I want. It's a kind of immaturity and a resistance to maturity, a resistance to not getting what I want. And that play of seeking what I want and resisting what I don't want is the story of your personal suffering, individually and collectively. 
and the unwillingness to actually see what it is that causes your suffering is what stops you from hearing what must be heard. Are you willing to see what causes your suffering? You know the truth to that much more than I know about you. Are you unwilling to see? If you are willing to see what causes your suffering, then you are willing for everything to change. Everything. Yes, it gets radical. That's where we start backing away. Well, not everything. I'm willing for what causes me suffering to change, but nothing else. <laughs> but in your willingness to see what causes your suffering, you will see perhaps you don't even know what causes your suffering. And to be willing to see what it really is opens up a whole possibility of your entire life changing, of nothing being the same. And see, this is when most people start kind of backing up because there are some very wonderful aspects to your life that you don't want to lose. You only want to lose your suffering. Until there's a willingness to lose everything, even not wanting to, but a willingness to, to see what it is that causes your suffering, then there's an impossibility of really, truly hearing this that must be heard, that is within you, that is calling your name, that is calling itself home, that is saying now, now, reading great teachers and sutras and nodding with the reading or the teaching or the meeting great teachers and yeah, that's, I know that's true, I feel that's true and then leaving the room and going right back into my particular neurotic infatuation with suffering seeking happiness, of course, <laughs> in my particular way. But the maturity that I'm speaking of, and that I'm really uh, invoking, the maturity is the recognition that my way doesn't get me what I truly, finally want. It gets me great pleasure, it gets me great drama, gets me great gain, great loss, great pain, great sadness, but not what I truly want. So if you can 
even catch a glimmer of that within yourself. And feel perhaps the terror of that, of what it really must mean to be free. What it really means to be at peace. And what is really demanded of you, which is everything, then you can hear. Then hearing is natural. Um, they're in the victim role and yes. they are very self-destructive yes. and then we try to... Is that familiar? <laughs> Just um, take a moment. That is a mental health problem, isn't it? Yeah, I and mean, it makes me sad. Yes. If, I t- I, if I see people destroy their opportunities, it makes me yes. sad. And so I don't you know become what to victimized by their victim story. That's correct. <laughs> I want them. I want. <laughs> I want them to do good for themselves. Yes. You want them so they'll stop bothering you with their victim story. <laughs> so, I know so what you can... mean. I wish you would wake up so I could take a walk. <laughs> to be happy. Yes, be happy, damn it. <laughs> You're bringing me down again. <laughs> I can relate to your story. <laughs> It's an edge, isn't it? It's an edge to work with people who are suffering greatly. We want to suffer. It's yes, we want they to suffer, and you don't want to suffer. They hold on to it. So how is it you are suffering? I don't get it. Why, why do they do that to I'm, themselves? I'm pointing to how it is they do it. Why do they do that? They do it exactly the same reason you do it to yourself. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm usually trying to be happy. But not right now. Well, same thing. They're trying to be happy. They're trying to be happy, very desperately. So how is it, though, I'm quite serious in this, how is it their suffering makes you unhappy? What is it you have to do with their suffering to make yourself unhappy with it? Hmm. Hmm. Um. Well, it's their suffering, I suppose. Well, that's true. That's fine. We know that. But there's something that happens that makes it your suffering. Mm. And I just want to know what that is, because then you will have a, a real cue or clue as to what their, the d- dynamic that they try to be happy and can't be happy, mm. how that operates. Mm. Maybe um, letting go of the sense to be responsible for the no, happiness. No, no, this is, now you're looking for a solution. I'm asking you to look and see what is the mechanism What is the mechanism in your thought process? 
What is the moment where their suffering makes you unhappy? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Mm. I don't think it is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it's something you should correct. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually quite useful. Mm -hmm. Then you get to experience unhappiness and that actually your heart can break even wider. So I'm not saying correct this, but your question to me was, why is it they do this? How is it they do this? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is found in how and why you do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so are you aware of some mm -hmm. story that you tell yourself about Maybe take a particular client in your mind mm -hmm. that that after you have been with, you are sad because they won't get off it or they won't stop suffering. Mm -hmm. um, what do you tell yourself? Well, I tell myself this is an intelligent person and yes. they ought to know. This is a sp tries to be spiritual. Yeah. Uh, reads literature so they ought to know their God and live mm. as if they were. That's right. And why, how come they can't translate what they know into their actions? Yeah. So now we're speaking of the paradox. This is brought exactly, exactly the point of our meeting today. Mm -hmm. This is an intelligent being mm -hmm. who's had experiences of God, spiritual experiences, and yet still they continue to be unhappy to suffer. <laughs> They can see what they do, they can see the consequences of what they do, so we're not speaking of someone who can't see that. No, I'm talking about intelligent people. Yes, good. I'm happy you are, because that's where the paradox is. Yes. So if you don't fix this paradox, mm -hmm. in yourself or in them, just for a moment, I love that your work is to fix it. But just for this moment, you don't fix it with philosophy and you don't fix it with religion. You don't fix it with what they should be doing. You don't fix it with what they are doing. You just meet the paradox. Here is intelligence and gross ignorance. Mm -hmm. Because you're speaking of ignorance. Yeah. How is it that the two coexist? Yeah. I don't know. That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. And in that saying, I don't know, is there an energy that you feel or an emotion? Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't want to say sadness. <laughs> but there is. Yeah. There is sadness there. I can see it. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with sadness? Hmm. You see, in our simplistic view of spirituality, we keep sadness out. But what if you, you invite the sadness that is there in, closer? Mm. What if you meet this sadness with your full being, with your full intelligence? Um, Not with spiritual or psychological or philosophical shields, but just directly.
I get um, like a slide, a downward slide. Yes. So let's go down. We go together. Oh. <laughs> okay. Not to drop in something deeper even than sadness. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. I know. I understand that. But just for the purposes of investigation, for discovering a why and a how that has not been discovered. Let's go together where you don't want to go. Yes, that's right. That's deeper even than sadness. Mm. So let us go into hopelessness just as you went into sadness. Not keeping it out because it's not spiritual, it's not intelligent, it's not psychologically hip. But just to meet it. Not indulging it with some story, but meeting it with your intelligence. like dissolving of everything uh-huh. everything is dissolving yes. and there's no more form yes let it go just for our purposes let it, let mm-hmm. it all go mm. in this experience of dissolution which is different from a theory of dissolution in the direct experience Actually, for me that's okay. It feels all right, doesn't it? For me, it does. It, for everyone, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it, it who cares, really? <laughs> really, but but not a casual who cares. It's really, no, it's, it's a like, beautiful experience. Yeah, it's an absolutely experience of joy and yeah. Laughter. Yeah, it's the opposite of control. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you have clearly experienced that in other realms. Oh, yeah. But in this realm of, like, being with your clients or being with aspects of yourself without uh, the shield of either substance or or practice or... Mm -hmm mantra or amulet or ritual without the shield of that and there's nothing wrong with any of that it all has its place it's all beautiful it all serves but in a moment of just nakedly meeting what hasn't been met then there is another opportunity for dissolution Hmm. yeah Yeah, that's not bad 
at the very <laughs> least, it's not bad. And in the beginning of not wanting to go there, there's a, a sense of it's bad. Yes, that's right. That's, that's right. I don't want to go there. That's right. So we go together. In a moment, while you have resisted, even without knowing it, or resisted in others, as you were speaking, in your clients, their suffering, their sadness. If there's resistance to it, doesn't matter if it's in them or if it's in you, it's really all the same. There's a possibility to meet it in a deeper, conscious, naked way that has nothing as the cause of the dissolution other than the meeting. This morning's session really showed so clearly in a couple of instances how no matter what the world is telling us, if our internal story of what's occurring has to do with being victimized, then we suffer. It's very simple. And This morning's session really showed so clearly in a couple of instances how no matter what the world is telling us, if our internal story of what's occurring has to do with being victimized, then we suffer. It's very simple. And if you are quite certain that you aren't telling yourself a story of being a victim, and yet you're suffering, then I suggest you're lying to yourself. <laughs> but there has to be some thread of some ancient story of how you have been wronged. How God has wronged you, or how your parents have wronged you, or how the nature of things has wronged you. Has circumstances have wronged you? Have you, as you, have wronged yourself? All of that is a story of being a victim. Being a victim. Even the strongest aggressors, if you just crack the superficial layer of aggression, you find this, I've been wronged. And so the striking out in anger or revenge or getting even has to do with the same victim story. If you can see this, if you can see how it plays in your life, that's very good. Because when you can see it, you can see that it must be recreated each time it plays. There's some past momentum that allows it to surface, but to be played through, it has to take energy and attention and belief, emotion, 
and some pleasure with the pain. So the willingness to tell the truth about who it is you are is a willingness to no longer be a victim, regardless of pain, regardless of circumstances, regardless of others, regardless of the real horror that occurs in the world. To no longer be a victim of that doesn't mean to trivialize that or deny that or gloss over that or repress that. that it means that you are encouraged in whatever appears or occurs or is experienced to meet fully the experience to not have to hide or run or justify or wail or curse or moan just to meet it. To be willing to be annihilated by it is the same willingness to discover directly what can never be annihilated. Just this thread of a story which is composed of thought, which is nothing at all. What power? This is the power of mind. One of its powers, the simulation of reality, a story about a reality, a story about a life. Are you willing to let your story go? And all those horrible aggressors to go unpunished? If you can see how it plays in your life, that's very good. Because when you can see it, you can see that it must be recreated each time it plays. There's some past momentum that allows it to surface, but to be played through, it has to take energy and attention and belief emotion, and some pleasure with the pain. So the willingness to tell the truth 
about who it is you are is a willingness to no longer be a victim regardless of pain regardless of circumstances regardless of others regardless of the real horror that occurs in the world to no longer be a victim of that doesn't mean to trivialize that or deny that or gloss over that or repress that it means that you are encouraged in whatever appears or occurs or is experienced to meet fully the experience to not have to hide or run or justify or wail or curse or moan just to meet it to be willing to be annihilated by it is the same willingness to discover directly what can never be annihilated just this thread of a story which is composed of thought which is nothing at all what power this is the power of mind one of its powers the simulation of reality a story about a reality a story about a life Are you willing to let your story go? And all those horrible aggressors to go unpunished. <laughs> there is a certain point, you know, where you just call it Yes, you have suffered at the hands of others. Yes, there has been horrible suffering done. And you have been on both ends of it. You have perpetuated it and you have felt it directed at you. Are you willing just to say enough? can end it but you that's where your freedom is you are free to suffer and you are free to stop suffering i invite you to experience stopping suffering so that you consciously are free so that you consciously choose to suffer consciously choose to let it go That's the bondage, you know, is being unaware of the is a willingness to no longer be a victim, regardless of pain, regardless of circumstances, regardless of others, regardless of the real horror that occurs in the world. To no longer be a victim of that doesn't mean to trivialize that or deny that or gloss over that or repress that. It means that you are encouraged 
in whatever appears or occurs or is experienced, to meet fully the experience, to not have to hide or run or justify or wail or curse or moan, just to meet it, to be willing to be annihilated by it is the same willingness to discover directly what can never be annihilated. Just this thread of a story which is composed of thought, which is nothing at all. What power? This is the power of mind, one of its powers. The simulation of reality. A story about a reality. A story about a life. Are you willing to let your story go? And all those horrible aggressors to go unpunished? There's a certain point, you know, where you just call it off. Yes, you have suffered at the hands of others. Yes, there has been horrible suffering done. And you have been on both ends of it. You have perpetuated it, and you have felt it directed at you. Are you willing just to say, enough? No one can end it but you. That's where your freedom is. You are free to suffer. And you are free to stop suffering. I invite you to experience stopping suffering so that you consciously are free, so that you consciously choose to suffer, consciously choose to let it go. That's the bondage, you know, is being unaware of the choice to be free and the choice to suffer. So I am letting you know there's supreme, ultimate choice now and forever. It's up to you. Um, my, my addiction is alcohol, and um, uh, well, I recently had a relapse, and it's something that I've struggled with uh, all my adult life. And um, I guess uh, when we were having that little lesson practice earlier today about. Uh, 
What do you need to be happy? What do you need to be happy? Um, when it, I said sobriety, and then they asked me if that was true, and um, I waver on that one, and and maybe I have it mixed up in my head about your teachings. But when I say that, um, yes, yeah, sobriety does make me happy um, because so, I'm more present with myself. That's great. So, it, what is it about sobriety? And you just said it. I'm right. more present with I'm myself. More present with myself. And what is it about alcohol? You're less. I'm, yeah, you're absolutely. numbed out, or I, I'm numbed out. Right, I get very introverted. That's right. So then, what is it about the impulse to be numbed out, to be introverted? What, what drives that? I mean, I understand that there's a physiological right. Right. component, but what's the emotional component um. where you feel the desire? And you know that you don't have to follow that desire because you have experience with not following that desire. Right, it seems like I, I continually, um, it's, it's for me, it's like almost running away from myself. In the alcohol. It, yes. yes. Yes, that's exactly yes, right. Instead that's, of hiding. That's addiction. Yes. That's addiction right that's, there. That's pretty much what I, what I feel. Um, and in AA, we always raise our hands, you know, I am an alcoholic. And um, with your teachings, sometimes... I think my relapse is because my mind was um, thinking that I was invulnerable. Yes. Because, um, well, if I'm so spiritual now and I'm so together, I can have well, a drink. how could alcohol affect <laughs> Right. Basically, that's what happened. Yes. I was in Brussels and uh, my first European trip, and uh, that's basically what happened. I've heard this and, from uh, a number of people, not just about this teaching, but about any teaching. Right. How the mind will take it and use it as it likes as it likes. That's why when I was speaking about the impossibility to teach, because once it's made into a teaching, something that can be remembered, oh, I am a mortal self, I am invulnerable, so therefore I can do what I want to do. What's the harm? So you know the harm. You've experienced the harm. It's as someone just said, maybe it was Linda was just saying, Life sends you a cure for your arrogance, and that's, you know, boom. Right. It's like, whoa. So what is it that was meant by this statement?